Um, as I was saying, it's great to be back here in Atlanta. Uh, as Tom said, we flew in last night around midnight, and my flight's at 3 o'clock this afternoon. But it's perfect to come to church, amen? Uh, so we're here, at, uh, and I also appreciate the opportunity to speak twice. One of these will be okay, amen? Um, but it is so great to see Tom and Kelly and uh, all of you. And, uh, you know, we, me and Tom, we talk regularly on the phone, and he's been an incredible discipling and mentor influence in my life. He and Kelly have helped me and my wife. Thank you for sending them to the Ukraine a year ago where they spent a couple of weeks with us. And it was really encouraging for all the churches in the Ukraine to get to hear Tom speak uh, and hear him preach and uh, help us to grow spiritually. My daughter also says hello. She loves this place. Uh, she wishes she could be here right now. She's about to graduate high school, uh, so she's busy with whatever she's doing right now. Um, but also I wanted to say thank you for uh, hosting Max and Britain. Uh, they were here, our campus leaders from Kiev. Uh, they had an incredible time, and he came back a totally changed man. Uh, so I want to send all the members of my church here for a couple of weeks. If you guys could figure out a way to take care of them, I would be very thankful. Um, and I'm glad I get to be here so I can change. Amen? Okay, so the topic today is grace. Oh, and I know Generosity Sunday is coming up soon. I know you're, gener I know you're generous every Sunday uh, because you're here at 9 o'clock in the morning and you're smiling and you're clapping and you're singing and giving your hearts. So you're very generous already. Uh, but I'm also praying for your Generosity Sunday because uh, your Generosity Sunday, if you're visiting here today, uh, this, this isn't just a local community church. This church is literally impacting the world. And uh, they've sent missionaries and supported missionaries all over the world, along with the, the work for the poor and needy uh, that the Ottenwellers are, are heading up and the teaching ministries of the Jacobees. And we're just very thankful for this church having a vision and a heart for the entire world, uh, not just your local community. So God bless you, and may God uh, bless your special uh, contribution. Amen? So let's talk about grace. Boy, I'm not going to go too deep with this because you have much better teachers in this room than I am. But I do want to give a drone kind of view of how I think grace has impacted my life and I think how it can impact each one of our lives. Amen? Um, I kind of think of grace as a gift, like a gift from God, an unwarranted gift, an unearned gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's just a gift. God gives us these gifts. And there's a couple of them I want to talk about. Oh, I have to turn it on. Oh, awesome. It works. Grace leads us to salvation. Amen? Let's read a verse in the Bible about that. Titus chapter 2. If you can open up or turn on your Bibles. Let's read this together. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Amen? So the grace of God, it's brought salvation. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. You know, it's not our self-discipline that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It's grace. Grace is your teacher if you're struggling to change something. Grace is not the what, it's the why. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, amen, which will not last too long for any of us. In this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a great song, that last song. That could have just been the sermon we could sit down and be done for today. It, Jesus is the center of everything. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. 
You know, it's, it's unbelievable what God has given us in our salvation. It would be enough for him just to forgive our sins, but he does so much more. He, he adopts us. He takes us into his family. He purifies us, makes our slate completely clean, and gives us grace, this gift, the ability to say no to the things we've changed. Amen? And he makes us his own people. We're his own. I love it when, when we think about we're his own. We're not just somebody he knows or someone we're talking We're his people. Amen? That we've been adopted, that he loves us. We have mercy. It's shocking. And we're waiting for this blessed hope, our salvation. You know, if, if you don't hear anything from anything that happens in this service today except God loves you, then you've heard the most important thing. Grace is the expression of how much God loves you. Salvation is our good news. You may think who wins the final four will be good news, or the Super Bowl was good news, or whatever. There's, there's lots of areas and levels of good news. Your job, your health, there's things that are good news, but then there's really good news. The fact that you can be saved, the fact that you can have all your sins forgiven, the fact that you can be adopted into God's family, that's good news. Amen, church? I want to introduce you to a, a girl. Her name's Laura. She was 12 years old. Um, she was 12 years old when her family went on a cruise. And this cruise took off from L.A. and, like, went down the coast uh, towards Mexico. And two or three days into the cruise, um, Laura's appendix bursted. And there was nowhere on the boat. There's no operating tables on this. This is the actual boat. There was no operating tables on the boat. So what the boat did is they sent out a distress signal uh, requesting an operating table and a surgeon. Is there any boat near that has an operating table and a surgeon? And after like three or four minutes, uh, uh, the distress signal was answered by this boat. The Ronald Reagan carrier and its entire fleet were doing exercises about 600 miles away from where Laura's cruise ship was. They got the approval from the government to turn around the fleet and head towards the cruise ship. The cruise ship, with its 3,000 passengers looking forward to its vacation in Mexico, turned the ship around and head towards the carrier. And they're steaming full speed towards each other because time is limited. As soon as they get about 200 miles from each other, a helicopter takes off from the carrier and gets over the cruise. There's nowhere to land on this ship, obviously. So they lower down baskets and put Laura and her family in the baskets and pull them back up, then race back as fast as they can to the uh, aircraft carrier where they landed and they did an operation and Laura survived. It costed the government two and a half million dollars to turn that boat around. 3,000 people lost a few days from their vacation turned around to save one person. My guess is Laura woke up and realized she's in an aircraft carrier and thought, wow, I guess I'm kind of special. This is a good day. What was done to save one life? You know, when you think about what God has done for us, Jesus flipped eternity around, sent his son crashing through, spent way beyond two and a half million dollars to make sure you landed in an opportunity to be saved by his grace. Don't ever doubt how much God loves you. Don't ever entertain the thought, maybe God doesn't love, don't, it's impossible. Don't ever go there, because what God has done to save you goes way beyond this story. 
Amen, church? Next slide. Grace leads us in transformation. Number two. Um, I'm going to need your help here a little bit with this point. Let's read this together. So his grace not only saves us, but then his grace helps us to grow and change. Amen? Um, Let's read a verse here, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen? Awesome verse, right? So fix your eyes not on what you can see, but what you can't see. So it's kind of weird to fix your eyes on what you can't see. But fix your eyes on what you can't see. You know, 80% of all the information that gets into your brain from your five senses is through your eyes. So he's focusing on the eyes here. You've, you've got to focus on what you can't see because everything you see today and all your days, it, it'll go away. At the end of the day, the car, the house, the, the country, the, the, it, it's all going to go away. But what you can't see, that's the most important thing in your life. So I think the word we're looking for is Imagination. I think for us to do well spiritually, we have to, have, we have to use our imagination. You know, if you read Revelation or Dan, you read some of those books in the Bible where he's trying to stimulate your imagination a little bit. Now, I grew up in Kansas. I don't know what, where you grew up or what it was like, but, but there were times when there were, there were certain monsters in my closet when I was a little kid. And I would yell down to my mom to come up and help me. And she would come up and she would flip on the lights. I said, Mom, there's somebody in the closet. And, and I don't know where she had this faith or confidence, but she would open up the door and not even look. And she'd say, look, do you see anything? And I'm like, no. And she said, if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. That's a strong message. So if you can't see it, it's not there. But as Christians, what we can't see is everything. It's our alpha and it's our omega. It's, it's what we devote our entire life to, what we cannot see. So I feel great that I was redeemed several years later. Now I know what was happening. I have clarity. I have closure. I'm okay. You know, I, I love movies where you put on those, if you look at the screen during a 3D movie, it doesn't seem anything, but as soon as you put on the glasses, everything changes. See, we need to take off our worldly glasses and put on God glasses. I don't know what to call that, but we have to see this world through his eyes, not our eyes. And what I'd like to do is just, and there's several verses, there's many verses, I just chose a few, but there's so many verses in the Bible where it talks about these images that sometimes it's hard for us to believe. Because when we look in the mirror, we see us. But when you look in the mirror, that's not what God sees. Let's, let's take a look at a couple of them. This, this, is, this is a dark, you know, the Bible teaches you were once in darkness, now you're in light. You were in complete darkness. The scary darkness. The walking through the forest in the middle of the night type darkness. Or the storm and your lights went out darkness. Or you lost your vision. You can see literally nothing. That's, that's the darkness you were in. That's, that's reality. But then because of Christ. You are brought into the light. You can see. You have the warmth. You understand where is life going? Why is this happening? You're in the light. You're you're comforted. That's the reality when we find Christ. Amen, church? 
Another one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You became new when you became a Christian. It says new creation. Before you became, a, before Christianity, before people were, were able to hold the Holy Spirit, you became a new, there were, literally were, this, this creation did not exist until Christianity came about. There were no human beings that could hold the Holy Spirit. We are literally a new creation. The old is gone. See, this, this is old. If, if you've been born in the last 20 years, this is the telephone. All right? And, and th- with this telephone, the zero is a total pain in the finger. Thank you. So, saved me. Uh, th- this is a phone. This is, this is the old. But, but this is the new. You, it's silly to compare it. Actually, this is probably more powerful than the strongest computer in the entire University of Kansas when I was studying computer engineering. There's more power in that than there was in any computer I used. See, you were old. You were an old, relatively dysfunctional creation, but when you found Christ and were put into Christ, you became something absolutely new. In the old... It's not hanging around, it's not on pause, it's gone. The Bible teaches that the old is gone. We were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, we became dearly loved children. This is an object of wrath, at least in my world. (laughs) When I see this, I have no desire to cuddle this. I have no desire to like take it home or ask its name or give it a name. There's no desire for closeness. Now, I'm usually not the first person who wants to kill it because I'm kind of a, I'm a little wimpy when it comes to bugs, sorry. Lacking some manliness, probably. But I definitely don't want to hang out with them. It's an object of wrath. The Bible teaches that we were once objects of wrath, which means you're, the, 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 the sole purpose or desire for this object is to destroy it. It has no value. That's what we were. That's what you were. That is reality. But the moment you became a Christian, you became a dearly loved child. Just try to separate those two. Just try to say, well, that baby doesn't look that cute to me. I think it could have a little longer hair. Or the ear could be a little. It, it, it's not even subject for criticism. It's his child. We are his children. You're his dearly loved child. That's reality. This is how he holds us. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows how many breaths more you will take. He's totally got you in his arms. And he loves you. Amen, church? But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. This is life without God. So many, and you're alone, and where, where do I go, left or right? There's, the odds of me making a bad choice are huge. So many bad choices I made in my life because I just didn't know what, I didn't know God's will for my life. But God, he takes care of us. With God, we are found. Amen, church? But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. But it is by grace you have been saved. So at one point, we were dead. I know you were alive. You look in the mirror, you're alive. But you were dead. I was dead. This, this was my address. This is where I lived. And there's no getting out of here. This is permanent. 
But because of Christ, I was born again. I came back alive. My heart beats. Amen, church. Making many rich, yet having nothing, and yet possessing everything. You know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You know, this is us spiritually. So grateful for the work Mark does and and all of you guys support in Africa. There's so many needs around the world. But if you put on God's glasses before you became a Christian, malnourished, starving, disease, it's just a question of time before you die. That's reality. That's what the Bible teaches But because of Christ, you've become rich. This is the richest group of people in Atlanta. I know you're thinking, wait a minute, what's he talking about? I I have no idea what he's talking about. If you look through God's eyes, can you imagine out of the 7 billion people on this planet, you're sitting here right now? Can you imagine that? that you've come to Christ, can you imagine how rich you are? Your address has changed. You're you're just a foreigner here. You actually have a home waiting for you that would blow your mind if you saw it right now. It would literally blow your mind. Jesus is the architect. God is there. He's in the middle of it. Amen? Okay, I love the Marvel character. I'm never going to grow up. I'm sorry. In my head, I'm like 18 or 19. And these movies drive my wife a little bit crazy because they're all the same. But for me, I can watch the same one over and over and over again. It just, I love superheroes because they get these gifts and they use them for good. God's grace gives us so many gifts and we use them for good. I'm so proud of this church. You use your gifts for good. You're spiritual superheroes. I look in the mirror, I don't see a superhero. You look through God's eyes and you'll see a superhero. Because you're shielded by God's power. You have weapons we fight with that are not from this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And it's incomparable. Incomparably means there's nothing to compare it to. There's no example of power on this planet or in this universe that you could compare to the power that's available to you. I chose Superman because he's from Kansas. (laughs) He's my favorite. We have unbelievable, incomparable power available to us. Amen, church? So then what's the challenge? Like Paul said to Timothy, so you got to be strong in the grace. You've got to be strong in your gifts. You've got to stop looking at yourself like the world looks at you. You've got to stop seeing yourself through human eyes. You've got to see reality. You've got to be strong in the grace. It's what you think about. It's what you meditate. And you you close your eyes and you pray and you meditate on the scriptures until you're convinced that that's exactly how you see yourself. Not arrogant and prideful because it's his grace. But what's possible with a group of a thousand people who have all those gifts? Anything's possible. Amen, church? And our last point, grace brings us to fruition. Is that a word? 
Awesome. I'm never sure anymore. Let's read this. 1 Peter 4.10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So as God gives you these gifts, as he gives you these talents, as he, as he brings this transformation in your life, then your goal then is to pass it on to others. It was never meant for you just to fulfill yourself and feel good about you and to build up your own career or whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. It's always been given to you to serve others. And that's when the gift comes to fruition, when you actually give it away. When we serve others. Amen? Let's not let Satan trick us into being the third soil. We're here, but we're so distracted that we're no longer fruitful. We're no longer seeing the fruits of all the things God's put in our life. Re-engage with everything you've got to serve God. Amen, church? You know, I want to tell you a story here. This is, oh, I'm sorry. I'm clicking it here, but not here. That's Alina and Edgar's On the Edge. And uh, I want to tell you a story about them. this just happened a, a few weeks ago. They were uh, set to go on their family vacation with their kids. And they were very excited about their vacation. Uh, but as sometimes things happen, as I'm sure they do in the States, as in Eastern Europe, uh, expenses were unexpected. There wasn't quite enough money to go on vacation that they had planned. Um, they had also saved up their special missions contribution. And they were at a kind of a crossroads, do I give my special missions or do I, do I take a little bit out of the special missions so that I can go on our, vac- so we can go on our family vacation? And they prayed about it and they decided, you know what? Let's not take anything away from our special missions. Let's just skip family vacation and just go see Alina's mom and just go spend time at their mother's house, which also freed up some extra money. So they gave some extra money to their special missions. Now, when they came home to Alina's parents' uh, home, they were spending time in the neighborhood some, and they bumped into uh, the, the girl you see here, Ski, uh, her name's, it's hard to pronounce, Skidrite. Skidrite, there is an old friend, but they hadn't talked for like in years. They hadn't talked in years. And they bumped in, she said, hey, let's grab a coffee and chat. So they sat down to have a coffee, and they were sharing a little bit about their lives, and Skidrite uh, shared that her husband had just left her. She has three kids. Uh, the youngest one is 11, and she has angel man's syndrome, angel down syndrome. It's, it's when you don't mature. So her youngest child is uh, an invalid. And when she was born, the husband left after 30 years. So she's alone, and for the last six months, she shared she had been looking for a church, but didn't feel like she had found God. And our sister Lena started to share her faith with her. And it was an instant connection and desire to study the Bible. So they were there for two weeks on vacation. So on vacation, they started to study the Bible every single day. And on the last day of vacation, she was baptized into Christ. And our sister and brother then shared, you know what? They said, it's the best family vacation we've ever taken. And they're so thankful that when they were confronted with that opportunity, do we give what we planned or do we go on vacation? They feel like God just totally blessed 
because one of her friends from years and years and going back is now a Christian in the family of God. Amen, church? I just want to close with this last story. Um, this is uh, Stefan and Noah. These are two kids. Um, grew up, uh, they grew up in Florida, and they were on vacation on the coast, and they, went and they decided to go out swimming in the ocean, which they do often, and they took their boogie boards, and they went out and uh, were swimming and, and playing around in the water, but they got caught in one of those riptides, and I don't know if you've seen Finding Nemo, like with the turtles, and they go really fast. That actually exists, riptides. So they got caught in a riptide and were being pulled out, and they were yelling and screaming, but nobody heard them, but some people swimming around them heard them, so they swam over to help them, and then they got caught in the riptide. And then other people came. Then mom finally gets up and starts looking around, where are my kids, and sees, sees kind of yelling. Think, you know, so she jumped in the water and swims out to them, and she gets stuck in the riptide. So grandma gets up, and grandma decides to jump in too and try and help. Grandma gets caught in the riptide. When grandma gets caught in the riptide, she has a heart attack. And they put grandma on the boogie boards. And now there's 10 of them. And they're now about 80, 90 yards away from the beach. At that moment, there was a group of people on the beach that was realizing what was happening. And they got people on the beach to get up and grab each other's arms. And they started to wade into the water, holding on to each other. 80 people got up, grabbed onto each other, and waded into the water until they reached this group of 10 grabbed a hold of them, and then waded back in and came all the way back and saved all 10 people. At that moment, when they got on the beach, there was applause, there was hugs, they're in bathing suits, they don't even know each other, but they're so fired up because they just saved somebody. What brought them together? What, what unified them was this desire to save somebody. They didn't know them. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot of time to discuss exactly how to do that, but they just wanted to help. And they used whatever they had at that moment to try and help somebody else. And God blessed. You know, I want to encourage us as we close, and briefly in a second we'll pray for communion. This is an incredible fellowship. God has given us the grace of salvation. Amen, church? He's given us everything we need to transform our lives. We just have to stop hearing what the world tells us about us and start listening to what God says about us. And finally, you can't do it alone. No matter how strong a swimmer that person was, as soon as they tried, but if we can hold on to each other, then God can use us collectively to have an incredible impact. Hold on to each other for the day of giving. God is gonna use that for an incredible impact. But Christ wants us to be a body together. Amen? So join me in prayer right now as we'll pray for the bread and the juice, and then we'll take communion. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you have chosen us out of this world and given us salvation. Father, we can't even start to comprehend what we've been saved from. And Father, we can't even comprehend what's waiting for us. The joy and the love and the light that's waiting for us. Father, but we eagerly await your son's return. Father, we want to be faithful and be eager to do good things while we're waiting. But Father, we want to do them because of your grace. Father, we want to do them because we understand how much you love us and how much you've given to us. 
Father, we pray as we take the bread, we'll remember the life Christ lived, the body he allowed to be broken for us, and may we imitate his heart and continue to live for him and for each other and for this city so that more people can know about Christ. And Father, as we take the juice, let it remind us of the incredible mercy we've received. All of our sins have been forgiven and washed away. Father, we're so thankful for our salvation. Help us to seek you with all of our hearts. And as we take this time of communion, help our hearts to be filled with gratitude for the amazing grace you've given us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.